Well, again, guys, if you have your Bibles, I'm in, I'm in 1 Samuel 17, and uh, I'm going to start in verse 2. I've got it up on the screen, and the Word of God says this. It says, Saul and the men of Israel gathered, and they camped in the valley of Elah. Uh, then they lined up in battle formation to face the Philistines. And I kind of just want to start there. I know that seems like a detail. It's really important for our message today. I want you to focus on that word, camped. That's what they did. They, they camped there in the Valley of Allah. Now, the Valley of Allah uh, was actually named after a tree, the Allah tree, which was a type of oak or terebinth tree known for providing great shade. So sometimes you'd be referred to, you know, the, 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 the Valley of the Shade. Uh, these trees, uh, I know one in particular, um, somebody documented was 55 feet tall, and the canopy provided 75 feet worth of shade, okay? So, so that, it's the valley with these huge shade trees. Now, in addition to that, there was a, a, a brook that ran there, the, 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 uh, the brook of Allah. And, uh, and if you were to Google that, you might see images of a dry brook because it was often dry. But in rainy season, it would be full of fresh flowing water. This is where David uh, came and, and grabbed the five smooth stones. And I want to tell you why I believe that that brook was full of fresh water because there were thousands of men encamped there and they couldn't be encamped for the period of time they were encamped if there wasn't a water source, right? And, and so I, I'm just setting the background for you for this quote unquote uh, battle between Israel and the Philistines. You say, Pastor, why are you using air quotes uh, when you say battle? Uh, well, I'm, I'm calling it a quote unquote battle because it wasn't really a battle, right? I mean, Goliath came out. Uh, they got dressed every day, but then Goliath came out. He taunted them. He taunted Israel, and then they were afraid, and they'd say, nope, not today, and they would go back to their tents. They would go back to the shade trees. They would go back to the brook, and according to verse 16, this went on for 40 days, right? Verse 16, every morning, every uh, evening, for 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand. So that's the picture of the 40 days of the quote-unquote battle. Uh, that, that There was taunting, and then there was camping out in shade by a stream. Like, that's the battle, okay? Everybody got a good mental picture of it? Now, with that in mind, I want to talk to you. Uh, I, I want to share three things with you. And, and, and we're, again, we're talking about the giant of comfort. So three things I want you to understand. Number one, I want you to know this morning that comfort robs us of precious time and freedom. Okay? Comfort robs us of precious time and freedom. Alright? You want to know what the most precious resource on the face of the planet is? It's not silver. It's not gold. Some these days would think it was uh, lithium or cobalt. We use those in all our batteries. It's not those either. Right? The most precious resource on, on, on the face of this planet is, is time. Right? It's time. James 4.14 reminds us that we are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's who we are. We're just a mist that, that appears like the morning dew and then a couple hours later it's completely gone. That's, that's who we are in the grand scope of eternity. And, and with that in mind, I want to think about our story. Right? The people of God who have been promised the power of God get dressed for battle daily. Does that sound familiar, Christians? Anybody? Right? So the people of God who have been promised the power of God get dressed for battle daily only to hear the taunts of the enemy. But then when it gets real, instead of charging into battle full of belief that God's got the victory already in hand, they retreat to the shade and the comfort of their encampment. Day after day after day, 40 days, 40 nights. And then David shows up and he does in one day what they couldn't do and a month and a half, right? And, and here's what I'm realizing. Hold on, I got. 
Uh, I now have, as, as a parent with a, a child that is a senior, right, as a son who has lost a parent, I'm realizing that every second counts. Every second counts. Every day matters. And these guys lost 40 of them to the giant of comfort. To the giant of not today, maybe tomorrow. And, and listen to me, here is the scary part. They didn't even see it. And neither do we. They probably thought, like most Christians today, we're, we're in battle, look at us, we're dressed. Right? We're dressed, we're wearing armor, we're in battle, surely we're in battle. But here's my question to you, were they really in battle? Or did they just get dressed, go up to the edge of it, and then when the rubber met the road, they went back to their encampment, to their shade, and to their fresh streams, right? I know that hits a little close to home. <laughs> but they lost 40 days. And if every second matters, I just want to put that into perspective, they lost 3,456,000 seconds. I wonder how many we have lost thinking that we were in the fight when we were really just standing on the sidelines. All right? So that's the first thing I want you to know is that comfort robs us of precious time and freedom. Second thing I want you to know this morning is that comfort keeps us in the boat and it causes us to miss out on God moments. Right? Comfort keeps us in the boat and causes us to miss out on God moments. You guys remember the story of Peter walking on water? My Bible doesn't really say Peter walking on water. It says Jesus walks on water. Maybe that's how yours uh, reads. But, but I'm going to focus on Peter for a second. Now, you remember the story. Uh, Jesus and his disciples had been on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They were in a remote location. Uh, crowds gathered. Jesus says, hey, feed them. They're like, we don't have anything. Uh, and, and, and so uh, eventually they find a young boy, right? Andrew brings a boy with a sack lunch, five loaves, two fish. Jesus says, tell him to sit down. He begins separating, uh, blessing the food, multiplying the food, has the disciples distribute uh, the food. They keep going back to Jesus. They feed uh, over 5,000. 5,000 was the count. That was just men, but they also feed women and children. And then uh, Jesus is now, now disciples go pick up leftovers. There's 12 disciples. They all have, they have 12 baskets. They get 12 baskets of leftovers. And then Jesus said to them, get in the boat and cross to the other side of the sea, right? And I, they do that. Now, Jesus goes up on a mountain and prays, and while he's praying, as night falls, a great storm arises, and, 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 the, and the, the Bible says that the boat is buffeted. It's literally beaten by the waves and the wind. It's being beaten. And, and in the midst of that, Jesus walks out to them in the middle of the storm, on the water. They're freaked out. Sailors freaked out by a storm. And, and they're like, that's a ghost. And Jesus is like, nope, not a ghost. It's me. To which Peter says in Matthew 14, 28 and 29, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, uh, Jesus says, come. So get this, Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. Listen to me. In that moment, Peter experienced something that no one else in the history of the world other than Jesus himself experienced. He physically walked on top of water. Right? Scientists and inventors have tried to replicate this. There was a whole Mythbusters episode, if you guys watched that, uh, where they tried to do this in a pool. Everyone has failed miserably. You can't walk on water. Right? Peter got to experience the power and the authority of God firsthand in a way that no one else did. Why? 
Because he was willing to get out of the boat. Because he was willing to get out of his comfort zone. Because he was willing to get out of the safety that he knew. I want you to think about this. I wonder how often the other 11 disciples wished that they had followed Peter. Right? See, we go back to our story, and here's what I wonder. I wonder how many of the other Israelite soldiers wished that they had had the faith of that young shepherd boy. For the rest of their lives, wish, why, why didn't I believe? Why didn't I trust God for that? Right? For the rest of their lives. You ever heard someone's testimony and wish that that was you? Come on. You ever thought that maybe the thing that's keeping that from being you was the giant of comfort? Just don't want to get uncomfortable, do we? Right? Comfort keeps us in the boat and it causes us to miss out on God moments. Last point, guys, is this, is that comfort is subtle. And it convinces us to settle for what's good instead of striving for what's best. Okay? Comfort is subtle, and it convinces us to settle for what's good instead of striving for what's best. Back to our story, right? The Israelites are camped out for 40 days in comfort. And I had to ask myself this week, why, why, would, you, why would you do that? Why would you settle? Why would they settle for this? Like, like how, how do you justify that? The people of God that have the power of God with them. How do you justify just sitting there in the shade? By the, how do you justify it? And here's how I think you justify it, right? You justify it by saying something like this. Well, I mean, at least we're not losing. Right? I, I, I mean, I mean, like, they're calling us losers. They're, they're calling our, our God a, a loser. But, but, hey, we're alive. Right? I mean, we're not their slave. Right? Maybe, maybe the brook will dry up soon and, and they'll have to go home and we'll go back to, you know, our normal lives. Where, where you know, I mean, yeah, they kind of rain, they don't let us have any weapons, but I mean, it's okay if we don't have weapons. I mean, again, at least we're not their slaves. Spiritually speaking, some of us have that same mentality. I'm just going to say to you, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, I'm not trying to burst your bubble, but if that is the way that you think, my friend, you are already a slave. You are. If that is how we think, then we have already settled, then we are ineffective and, and unproductive in our faith, and we are not experiencing the abundance and the freedom that God offers. I shared with you, this series is based off a book by Louis Giglio called Goliath Must Fall. And uh, in it, he shares this really cool illustration, I think is very apt to this point. Uh, he said they had a house, and a um, certain time of year, the birds would come and they'd build their nest on one side of his house. And, uh, and it was all great, and they loved it. And, you know, I mean, they had to clean up the bird droppings every, from time to time. But then everything changed when they got a Labradoodle, who is a fairly large dog, right? And the Labradoodle would go out in the backyard where these birds used to nest, and suddenly uh, life changed for the birds, right? Suddenly, uh, the baby birds didn't want to leave the nest, and, and they're in the nest a lot longer than they should be in the nest until mom is finally like, you've got to get out of the nest. Um, and, 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 and here's why, Right? I mean, I want you to think about it when there's danger below and you're in a place that is good. Now, now it's not best, but it's good, right? I mean, the nest is safe. Uh, there's food here. Um, uh, you know, it, it's warm. Uh, it, it's, a good, it's a good nest, right? It's a pretty good life. I mean, I'm, I'm warm, I'm safe, and I'm fed. That's pretty good. It was good, but they weren't free. Because a bird is meant to fly. 
A bird is meant to experience so much more than the nest. And my Christian brothers and sisters, we are meant to experience so much more than we usually do. Because we typically settle for what's good instead of striving for what's best. We want to live in comfort, and so we don't experience the God moments that are out there. We don't experience the abundant life that Jesus talks about, and then we wonder, God, is the Bible really true? Am I really yours? Right? And I'm telling you, it's the giant of comfort that's causing those problems in our life. So what do we do? This first step is going to seem very straightforward. I don't mean to offend you, uh, but it, it's, really, it's really dumb, the first point. This is the dumbest application I've ever given. Uh, ready? Get uncomfortable. Like, I mean, it's the most straight. Like, what do you do? I don't, well, then you get uncomfortable. So how do I get uncomfortable, Pastor? Do things that make you uncomfortable, right? Go sit with somebody that you wouldn't sit with and talk to them, right? Your neighbor that's been on your heart that you've been praying, God, I pray that they would come to know you. You know their car never leaves on Sunday. Like, here's the uncomfortable moment. Ready? okay, right? We knock on the door, bring some cookies, we ask them over for dinner. We've we got to get uncomfortable. Some of you need to, you, you've never been in a Bible study class in your life. Like, the, the, your amount of Bible study is the 20 uh, to 25 minutes a pastor talks, and you're out, and that's it. And you wonder, why am I not growing in my faith? There's only this much growth you can get. You've got to go deeper, right? Like some of you don't know what it's like to be in a small group or have accountability in your life where somebody calls you. I, I, I got calls, even last week, I got calls from people in our church going, hey, pastor, I know you're out this week. Are you reading your Bible? Like, that's awesome, right? We, we need that measure of accountability in our life. We've got to be in, in, in those kind of relationships. So do what's uncomfortable. Get uncomfortable. Faith thrives in spiritual discomfort. Hebrews 11, right? Abraham got up and went when he didn't know where he was going. That's uncomfortable. Just pack up your whole life, right? The Lord says, I'm calling you. And you go, what are you calling me to, Lord? We're all like, no, I want to fleece this. I want to know. And God's like, no, dude, just go. And, 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 and the Lord used him mightily, right? He says to Noah, dude, build an ark. How comfortable is that? I don't like hammering things for like a, a minute. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just spend hours upon hours, days upon days, years upon years, and he's Bill Mark. Everybody's mocking him. You idiot. Come on. Oh my gosh. You're like, I mean, every, and, and, and like, and the Lord, the Lord, we have to get uncomfortable, right? You say, why, pastor, should I get uncomfortable? Because Jesus is our model. That's why, Right? I want you to think about this with me. Let's think about the cross that we sing about often. Right? It's, it's through the cross. It was on the cross Jesus died for our sins. God accepted that as a sin payment for us. Uh, it was on the cross that, that after he died that they shoved the spear in his side and blood and water flowed out. The Bible says without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins. Like, like the cross is, is crucial to us. But the cross in that culture was literally the worst way you could die. It was the most uncomfortable death known to man because it was a death of slow asphyxiation. Right? I mean, that's what it was. You, you just, you, you couldn't breathe. And you just slowly, slowly, it was the most agonizing way to die. It, it was better to be in the Colosseum and eaten by animals than it was to die on a cross. The most uncomfortable, most excruciating way to die. And Jesus endured it for us. And I, I love what... Louis says in his book, he says this, he says, Somehow, as a people of God, if we're not careful, we can sing songs about the uncomfortable moment of Jesus, 
while we live in the very comfortable moment of us. Just let that sink in for a second. Right? If we're not careful, we can show up here and we can sing songs about that uncomfortable moment for Jesus while living in the very comfortable moment of us. That's the first thing we have to do. We've got to get uncomfortable. Second thing we have to do, guys, is we have to remember the reason we're alive. We've got to remember the reason. And, and, and it's not just for freedom, by the way. Like, like listen, if, if the only motivation in my life is my personal freedom and experiencing everything that God wants me to be, I'm, I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to choose to settle over and over again because we like the path of least resistance. But that's actually not why we exist, just for personal freedom. Personal freedom is a gift from God that He gives us because He loves us. But we actually exist for His glory. We were created to bring God glory. Uh, that, that, that's why the heavens and the stars exist. You look out, not that you could just study them, not that you could just be, oh, I, 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 they, they're here so I can have a calendar. No, they're not. They're here because there's a God that deserves all the glory that we could give Him because He made everything out of nothing, right? So we actually exist for the, for the glory of God. And, and if we forget that, we'll never be willing to pay the price, Right? Of, of doing away with comfort. And so we got to remember why we exist. We exist for the glory of God. So, so here's a tough question. Ready? Are you living for that glory right now? If you look at your life, is there any area that you're not bringing God glory that you've settled? Like that's, that's a question we need to ask ourselves, right? It, it, God, is there, is there some area I've settled for comfort where I'm not being everything you created me, where I'm not experiencing the abundance that you promised? Leads us to our last little piece of application this week. I want you to make an effort to live with purpose and urgency. With purpose and urgency. So two phases here. Right, let's talk about urgency first. Life is short. Every second counts. Don't know when it'll be our last. So, so life, life is short. Urgency. Okay? So life is short and you go, well, well how, how can I make a difference? Ready? Because God is able. Life is short, but God is able. He's able to do more than you could ever imagine with your life. I mean, some of you are like, man, I'm, 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 already, I'm over the hill. I'm past the hump. I'm way down the road. You don't understand my past. You don't understand. No, like, I get it all. God is able, right? God is able to use 99-year-olds to change uh, future generations. God is able. God is able to take the barren woman and, and make her give birth. God is able. God is able to use stiff-necked people like you and me. He called them His nation, Israel, to bring about the Savior of the world. God is able. He is able to do something in you even now, even today. He is not done with you yet, and He always finishes the work that He starts. We've got to live with that kind of urgency, not settling, not camping out, not missing God moments because it's more comfortable to not charge out in our faith, right? So we live with urgency, but we also live with purpose. So what is my purpose? Ready? Here's your purpose. Your purpose is to run into, not away from, a lost and dying world. Can I say that again? <laughs> your purpose is to run into, into, not away from, a lost and dying world. This is uh, my, my big problem with the monasticism movement. Uh, I always had a problem with it. Every seminary class I was in, they kind of made all the, the monastery. Oh, look at these great people, and we wouldn't have anything without them. I'm like, can you imagine if those people, instead of running away, had run into? Maybe Jesus would already come back. We are created 
and empowered and gifted to go into a lost and dying world and to proclaim that Jesus is the answer. And God says he will use that to bring about his kingdom. Christians, we've got to start running into, not away from that world. Does that make sense? And, and the only way it's going to happen, I'm going to be honest, the only way it's going to happen is if we decide that there's something better than the nest we've built. That we've settled for good. And there is abundance waiting. And if you will get out of your comfort zone, listen, one day at a time. Say, Pastor, I, I don't know, you say those things, they sound so grandiose. They are grandiose. You, you know how you get to grand? You know how Peter got out of the boat? One step at a time. That's it. And then as you do, you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Now listen, you may fall from time to time. You might sink. Just cry out, Lord, save me. He will. He'll restore you. Right? But he's got a life for you that is bigger spiritually than you have probably ever thought about. That's the truth of God's word. I pray we accept it. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for your word, which is good. I pray um, by the power of your spirit this week that we would wrestle with this thought of comfort. I pray that we would wrestle with um, our own lives, that we would take inventory even this week, that we wouldn't leave here unchanged by what we've heard as we've been confronted with your word. Holy Spirit, do a work in us um, and encourage us with it. This, this, is not, this is not a beat down word. This is a encouragement you you so much more so much better i've got so much more for you god do that in us that we might have the willingness to step out of our comfort zones this week even in the smallest ways and as we do help us to do that on a regular basis we love you lord it's in your name that we pray amen amen